0: The American dream come true. Ah! Vinny got needy. Just the man I've been killing to see.
1: Right. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Page to Pixel podcast. I am your host, Reed Jolin, and join with me is a new friend I found out in the dumpster behind uh, Burger King on uh, 64th and North. Do you want to introduce yourself, new friend?
0: Hey, yo, it's me again, Ricky. Two knives here. I tell you, I got two knives, one for each hand. How you been, Reed?
1: Oh, I, I'm just befuddled by what you just said, but I've been, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm full of Guinness and lasagna, so I'm having a pretty good Monday right now.
0: Excellent. I've been mixing... Uh, mgd and hams because i live in a dumpster and i got two <laughs> knives
1: i mean the fact it's just like my father always says if you're drinking grain belt that means you don't have any friends
0: and i got no friends because i live in a dumpster behind burger king
1: Well, what about the possums and the, possums we've been
0: and the talking raccoons about uh, mafiosos last week so i figured why not keep that theme rolling we'll talk about mafiosos this week just in a little different way
1: that is correct, uh, Ricky Two Fingers or Two Nines or <laughs> whatever his name is is correct. And I
0: have fully extended that bit, so
1: that you're good. Thank you for that. That was that was that that's definitely worth a, a uh, Oscar. So um, is that what the is that the, the the movie awards? Is it Oscars or is that Academy Awards? I forget.
0: Who knows? I don't, All I know matter. is I didn't have to eat raw hamburger like some other fools did.
1: Okay, we'll just kind of keep up with that. So yes, we're talking about the Max Payne series, which is somewhat related to Mafiosos and Lasagna, because there's a bit of Mafia influence in the Max Payne games, which we are going to be talking about today.
0: I do have to say, I honestly think this whole plotline is a little bit of an overreaction, uh, like if it was maybe set in a modern day. like Imagine not having to wait for someone else in order to watch that next season of the show you're watching together
1: yeah i i I guess you're right i don't know what that that's kind of inferring but i'll take it
0: i mean if you got a dead wife and kid you don't have to wait anymore to watch that sweet show to listen to your music
1: and you don't have to watch any more coco melon so there is that
0: i don't know (sighs) what coco melon is
1: that's that's a good thing my nephews love it anyway so we're talking about the max Payne series there are three games in this series the most recent one came out i want to say in 2012 uh, with the first one coming out in 2001, and then the sequel, Max Payne 2, coming out in 2003. Uh, and if you're relatively unfamiliar with these games, you shouldn't be, because they're pretty cheap and pretty readily available. I think they're on basically every system now. Uh, they're really fun games. I think that's the general impression that a lot of people kind of give them, is that, you know, they're really good games for what they were. The whole bullet time mechanic that it introduced in the first game um, kind of revolutionized action shooters in a lot of ways that I think is kind of... Um, underappreciated in a lot of ways. I think the some of the mechanics and stuff were really cool, and the fact that this these games kind of pull in from this noir detective-style, um, I don't know, 1920s and 30s and 40s aesthetic is kind of cool as well. Um, yeah, I think that's that's kind of uh, my initial reaction to it. Jeremy, what is your first experiences with these games?
0: Well, I think you're misremembering the first game as being fun because it was hard as balls. Mm-hmm. Um, I went back and retried playing them. All right, yeah, you were watching me, weren't you? I was, I was there, like a creeper, mm-hmm. <laughs> looking through the window, mm-hmm. longingly. No, like the first game was really tough. Um, I know I beat it in my youth, but I just could not put up with it. I don't have the time to play a hard game right now.
1: As as, as we're as we're both playing Elden Ring, but playing yes. Elden
0: Ring, it's not that hard. It's I mean, not. I. I I beat that tree dude before you did so step up dog
1: you did and I'm what I'd consider a souls veteran which doesn't mean I'm good at all but he's correct he beat the tree Sentinel uh, like 20 30 levels below me so kudos I to do, you
0: I do I do blame my mountain blade experience for that though because I just ran away like a man
1: that's what you do love to fight another day uh, so <laughs> so other than other than your your recent experience of Max Payne one being difficult, um was this a game that you had when you were younger
0: yeah i did um when did it come out i don't know if i got it at launch but i you know i got it when i was still in high school and i i remember it being tough i just don't remember it being as tough as i did when i was an adult and to be a hundred percent honest with you that was when i was in my phase of just like smashing x through any sort of story because i just want to shoot more uh italian mobsters in the face
1: yeah i mean you got to have the marinara flow some some way
0: the marinara <laughs> must flow.
1: So, um, yeah. Um, What about the second or third game?
0: I know. I, uh, I actually played all three of these. So, second game... You know, I probably got both of... I think I actually remember now. I got them both in that double pack they came out with. Okay. Now that you say that, I'm pretty sure it was a, a, a little double extra pack, so...
1: Nice. And then the third one, which came out, I want to say, like, nine years after the third, second one?
0: Yeah, I... Beat it and have not looked back. Like, I, I played it the one time through, and I know it was a... I remember it being a good game, but I don't remember a lot about it. I remember it kind of went away from that sort of comic book noir style, where he's just like a sad old alcoholic, not relatable at all.
1: Yeah, the the first two games have that more of that noir detective style to it, but the third game kind of takes it in this direction of, I don't know, like south american crime movie um obviously narcos. some of yeah kind of but i think that was before narcos came out but that's really the same kind of aesthetic in a way but uh, my experiences with it um as we were talking when you were streaming the first game it was a game that a friend of mine had like torrented or pirated back when like that was really like the cool new thing back in like 2002 2001 and like he like put it on my computer and i played it and i put on like i don't remember it being difficult because i just put it on god mode and i just like would clip through walls and shoot people without realizing it, so I didn't play it super fair. Um, I never played the second one. I own it, but I never played the second one. The only real experience I have with the second one is when you were streaming it, and even when you were streaming I'm like, man, this actually looks pretty good. It still holds up decently well. Um, yeah,
0: I a lot of the... Just they polished a lot of the game mechanics. Like, I guess I completely forgot uh, the first game. When you enter bullet time, you're basically just crawling across the floor like a toddler instead of diving, Yeah, which makes it really hard because you really rely on bullet time because the enemies are just always going to shoot you around corners. It just seems like they know exactly where you're going to walk out from. So you really rely heavily on it. And the bullet time wasn't very well fleshed out. Like it was still useful, but it was not great. And then the second one kind of patented it down a little bit and, and it fleshed it out, which is pretty common.
1: Yeah. It, it, it does games. seem, it does seem to be a pretty good, Um, you know, uh, cu- uh, what is it? What's the word I'm looking for? Like, like when you improve, you know, just a good improvement off of each other, like, you know, from step one to step two. Did you two. forget the word improvement? No, not improvement. Quality of life. That's what I was looking for. No, okay, like okay. Quality of life improvements from game to game to game. I'm not that full of lasagna that I can't think. <laughs> not yet. Um, But, yeah, I think from, from one to two and to three, there's a lot of quality of life improvements that the games do. Um, And my experience with the third one, I don't remember when I got it. I, did, I think I might have borrowed it from a friend. Um, and I really liked it when I played it. It came out in 2012, um, which was kind of a... Yeah,
0: I remember hanging out with you and watching you play multiplayer.
1: Really? I I don't even think I ever... Man, like that's a memory that you have that I don't. That's wild. Uh, but yeah, I remember playing it and really liking it. And like you just said, that's it. There's not much to go back on.
0: No, I, I think that's kind of an issue when you deviate away from the style too much is... You might have made you may have made a really solid game, but it's just not really memorable. Like I wouldn't even you wouldn't be able to tell that they were the same style game if it wasn't for the fact that the character shared the same name.
1: And and the bullet time aspect,
0: I guess. Yeah, but what game doesn't have some variant of bullet time now? At, at that point, yeah, you're
1: right. Um, but yeah, I liked I like all of these games, and I think maybe this is something we can conclude with a little bit more detail, but. What's interesting about all of these games is that they all reviewed pretty high. You know, anywhere from sevens to nines, maybe a few tens sprinkled in there. I would say, like, the aggregate of these games online is like an 85 out of 100. So they're good games, like, really good scores. But I think what a lot of people have said online is that these just don't have the lasting appeal because the games that came around from Rockstar uh, around the same time just trounced them. Because you have Grand Theft Auto, you have Red Dead Redemption, so like all of these games are good, but they don't really hold a candle to the other uh, Rockstar IPs. And I think that's a really good point. I didn't think about if these were made by anybody else that wasn't like the, the the Titan that Rockstar is, these games would be remembered a bit more fondly, I think. But just the fact that it's this this megalithic developer, you know, <laughs> coming out with some of the greatest games of all time. You know your 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 smaller fry games that are equally not I don't say equally good but you know up up there in in quality aren't going to necessarily get the same respect.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think when when a developer is known for a certain style of game, like you mentioned, Grand Theft Auto and Red Dead, because those two are very similar as far as like just open world kind of do whatever, you sort of come to expect that in every every game they come out with. I mean, look at uh, Bethesda, uh, Fallout and Oblivion are basically the same game, just with a different setting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember a while back, they came up with one one game where, like, you played between, it was a co-op game, where you, it was a fantasy co-op game where you played between one of two characters. I, was, I saw Bethesda, and I was super pumped for it, and then I played it, and it was just a super linear, like, fantasy third-person shooter. And I was like, oh, that's a bummer.
1: What, do you remember what the title was?
0: I don't remember what it was called. I remember the two characters, one was like a big buff like fighter dude, and then like an archer chick, and you'd swap between them, or you could play co-op, and I believe the cover art was purple.
1: Oh man, that's how forget and it. And it was it was like, Bethesda?
0: Art the, yeah, it was a Bethesda. And it may have been made by one of their subsidiaries and just had a Bethesda name on it, but Huh.
1: I'll have to look into that because I have no idea. Huh. Yeah,
0: it was like It played like a co-op Gears of War.
1: Weird. Anyway, so that's our general uh, takeaways from these games. Um, Pretty good games. Um, That's the end of the podcast. No, we got to talk about the stories. Yeah, we got to talk about the stories and stuff like that. Um, As we've sort of mentioned, these games are heavily influenced by sort of old school noir detective stories and films and comic books. Actually, the first... Does the second game do the comic book thing too?
0: Yeah, it still does it a bit. Yeah, so... Um, what Ree's referring to is there are some actual scenes in the game that play out in like a 3d cut scene, but a lot of the story is actually driven through a co- like a, a digital comic book almost. So you're scrolling through and, uh, like the voice, like there's still voice acting behind it, but it's just a bunch of still pictures. Like you're reading an old detective comic, which I think was lost on me as a kid but as an adult, I think it's a really interesting way to kind of blend those two different mediums and really show your hand as to what your influences were.
1: Yeah, it's a weird way of showing immersion, but it does kind of work. Cause isn't it like when certain scenes in the comic books, when you're looking at the comic books in game, like there's movement and stuff in certain panels.
0: A little bit, if I remember. Yeah, I like. I didn't play. I didn't replay them too much, but yeah, I know some things just kind of shift around. It's not like of a, like, crazy. Of
1: a, like if a phone rings. It kind of rattles a little bit.
0: Yeah, like that. Yep.
1: Oh, that was kind of cool. But, uh, yeah, these games are heavily influenced by noir uh, games. Uh, the first two, I know, are heavily influenced by Hong Kong cinema, particularly, like, the works of John Woo, the movie Hard Boiled, one of the difficulty levels in the first game is called Hard Boiled. Um, there's also this interesting um, add-in of Norse mythology. In I was the, wondering if we're going to talk about yep, that. Yep, yep. Like there's, like, there's, like, the Asir Corporation, and like the drug that is well, the
0: drug is called Valkyr.
1: Valkyr, which is you know playoff Valkyrie, off of Valkyrie, yeah. right? Um, so it, it doesn't there's really a character go character
0: named Woden, which is the dramatic version of Odin.
1: I just think that's an interesting addition. They don't. It, it's inspired by Norse mythology, but really in name only. Unless unless I'm missing something, they're just using a lot of these names, and there's not. No.
0: Um, is there, I don't, I do not see anything other than just like one of the developers probably really wasn't Norse mythology.
1: Well, it doesn't help that, uh, Remedy was based or is based in Finland. So well, yeah, you, that's,
0: that's, that might be why
1: that that'll probably do it, but, uh, it's a really weird amalgamation of noir Hong Kong cinema and, uh, the influence of Norse mythology. So that being said, do you have anything else you wanted to share before we jump into uh, the games themselves?
0: Yeah, there's, uh, the, the, which will be, I guess it'll be more alluded to once we get into the story of the first game, but there are a couple of real-world ties that you can kind of see in this game. And so one of them would be to some sort of government experimenting on people, so sort of like an MK Ultra sort of thing that's going on with uh, the drug Valkyr. And the other is it, it very accurately sort of shows some mirroring to like our real world opioid ep- epidemic. I don't know if this came out when did the opioid dem- epidemic really kind of kick off? Because this came <sighs> out in 2001. Yeah, I would say... Yeah, that seems like it may be a little too soon, or a little too early to actually be a commentary on that, so it may have yeah. just been like a, a bit of um...
1: I don't know, like the whole off. war on drugs thing?
0: Yeah, um... Just because Valkyrie's very much looks like heroin it's injected through a needle and stuff like that so i mean it may have just been random happenstance but it could also be sort of a a commentary on that as well
1: okay yeah that's interesting to think about that there's this and and plus the games take place well with the exception of the third one take place primarily in new york city so new york city is always renowned for having a really difficult drug problem and stuff like that so um there's probably an ounce of that too and when you're building a Detective story, of course, you're gonna have you know the mafia and drugs and stuff involved. So, um, unless you've got anything to add, I'll let you jump into the story of the first game.
0: No, I will get right into it. So, Max Payne's story begins when he comes home to find his wife and daughter murdered by armed junkies high on a new designer drug, Valkyr. Three years later, while undercover with the Punchello Mafia family, a suspected manufacturer of Valkyr. While waiting for a meeting with DEA agent Alex Balder in a subway station, Max stumbles into a shootout with mobsters using an abandoned tunnel to break into a nearby bank. When the robbery is foiled, Max meets with Balder who is murdered by an unknown assailant. Max is framed for the murder of Alex and his cover is blown. Now hunted by both law enforcement and the mafia, Max must continue to investigate as a vigilante to clear his name. Max goes after Jack Lupiano for... the the overseer of distribution for Valkyr for the Pinciello family. After gunning him down, Max meets Mona Sachs, a hired killer who laces Max's drink with a sedative, sending him into a nightmare-fueled dream state. When Max regains consciousness, he has been captured by the mafia who proceeds to interrogate him. He is able to escape and utilize a newly found ally from the Russian mob to arm himself as he infiltrates the home of Don Pinciello, where he discovers the Don is merely a puppet, in the epidemic of Valkyr. The house is invaded by agents of the Asir Corporation, and Don Punchello is killed. Nicole Horn, CEO of the Asir Corporation, confronts Max momentarily before giving him a lethal dose of Valkyr, sending him again into a nightmare scape. Luckily, Max survives and follows his only remaining lead to an old military bunker. There, he discovers that Valkyr was the result of a failed military experiment to improve soldiers' stamina and morale. Additionally, Max's wife stumbled upon this information while working at the DEA's office. Her death was no mere accident, but an assassination. Horn had loosed Valkyr test subjects into Max's home to silence her. Max is contacted by Bibi, his ex-DEA handler, who instructs Max to meet him in a garage lot. There, Max realizes that Bibi was responsible for killing Alex and framing Max. After dispatching Bibi, Max is contacted by Alfred Woden, who he meets at the Asgard building. Woden sets up a meeting between Max and the members of the Inner Circle. The Inner Circle is a secret society and they are willing to clear Max's name if he kills Horn, as they are unable to pursue her themselves. The meeting room is suddenly stormed by Horn's agents, and everyone in the room is killed except Max, who is able to fight his way through the agents. Max then storms the Aesir headquarters, making his way past guards and mercenaries before finishing off Horn. The NYPD arrives at the scene, arresting Max. While being escorted from the building, he sees Woden. Max then smiles, knowing he will be safe through his legal process. And that's a very, very quick and watered-down version of the uh, Max Payne one. There's uh, quite a bit else going on there. There's some characters that I didn't necessarily cover. Um, it, it introduces a lot of characters, but I think just for the sake of simplicity and keeping sort of tabs of the overarching story, um, it's important to just kind of brush through that so we don't all get confused.
1: Yeah, no, I think you did a good job. I mean, I think it, it covers a lot of bases. It's this larger corporate government conspiracy that max kind of gets whipped into which kind of comes back in some of the later games um i think it's a really cool story i remember the uh, just talking about the characters a little bit i mean max payne his face we got to talk about his face
0: oh my gosh i mean i know it was (laughs) like like the most square head in the world
1: well which is interesting he was uh, modeled after like the creator of the game like Sam sam lake or something like that was his name um, so they just modeled holy
0: his cow. oh yeah look at that
1: yeah so they modeled they modeled the the game's creator co-creator uh, as max's face um the writer i guess yeah okay According okay to
0: wikipedia idea
1: okay perfect um and another character that get introduces uh, gets introduced to this game is mona sax which is the the most noir name you can have for a femme oh, fat- for a femme fatale mona sax like holy crap um, she's a really cool, cold character that is, has a bit more of a prominent role, uh, in the second one. Uh, I think it's just, uh, it's, it's cool characters. I mean, it is, I don't want to say, I don't want to say it's generic or anything. That's not what I'm really looking for. I just think it's, it, 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 it just fits the right boxes for what it's trying to do. It doesn't really push the envelope in terms of a noir story because, it, you know, I think the, the addition of, like, the, the government conspiracy and, like, the drug stuff... I think it's good. I think overall, it's a really good game. I remember the the nightmare scenes or like the hallucination scenes where you're walking through like the house and like there's the blood stains on the ground and like the baby's crying. It's yes. like, yeah, I don't like that very much.
0: I specifically remember my mom walking into me or into the room, walking into me, walking into the room while I was playing that particular scene. and she just looked at me with the most appalled look on her face. There's, what are you playing? I'm like, it's just the game you bought for me
1: yeah parents always do that though that's like what parents have to do you have to always walk in during the most dirty scene or
0: whatever it's their spidey sense
1: it is it really is um yeah no i think it's overall a good game oh we didn't we didn't mention release dates because we're terrible podcasters but um the release of this was uh, yep 7 twenty three 2001 so um right before grand theft auto 3 um so right in the middle of the summer it came out on uh computer obviously um ps2 xbox and gameboy advance <laughs> i want to play the game Boy advance version <laughs> i didn't know it came out on gba so i'll, I'll have to oh maybe God, that
0: would be terrible i'll
1: have to check it's probably like top down like diablo style or something yeah absolutely i'll have to check that out but uh yeah max Payne's the main character he's 30 36 during the the majority of the game um he's what the writers kind of wanted to build him up as is like a john McClain type character where he kind of faces every situation with like a really hard you know sardonic sarcastic wit which i think is interesting despite the fact that there's so much evil going around him um but yeah i mean i think it's the cool characters especially mona sex i think is really cool especially in the second game uh any other further reflections on the first game before we jump into max Payne 2
0: no, I think we're good to jump into. Well, two. I
1: think just to kind of segue between Max Payne One and Max Payne Two, I have a question for you. Do you think that these games would be better or worse if it was Max with two or three X's versus one X?
0: Um. Uh, all right. So I would say two. Two would be the perfect amount. If you put the third X in there, it's gonna have. There's gonna have to be some adult content just off the implication of the 3x's so i think 2 would be perfect
1: but 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 drugs and baby you know drugs and baby murder isn't adult enough
0: i i guess in my experience i've always assumed the triple x was more about sex and nudity and
1: like uh bmxxxx
0: yeah we like you're just do you
1: remember that game like... no do you no it was it was a cuz there was like that really brief period of time where um people were obsessed with like extreme sports you know, ride, ride, ride or die. I went through that. I went through that. Every, every every 13 year old boy had a a beanie with flames on it, but,
0: um,
1: (laughs) they had, I think, I think, I think they had, I think it was a spinoff or like they used the same engine as, um, Dave Mira's pro BMX. And it was like BMX game with strippers. And like, you could get their, you could get like a coat or something to take their tops off. So, yeah, maybe we'll do, maybe we'll do that on the podcast. I don't know. We'll do the story and narration and, and theme and inspirations of BMX yes. Anyway, that being said, okay. that's just a, that's just a fun segue. So you're saying Thanks. you're saying two X's is good.
0: I think two X's is the right amount. Yes.
1: I, I mean it's it's a kind of ridiculous name, Max Payne. I mean they're they're really both of them are pretty common names. Payne and you know, as a last name is And pretty, Matt,
0: yeah. It's a bit on the nose. I mean I can definitely see what they were doing.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's, it's pretty... It's, it's
0: not... Yeah. I, okay, so here's my question to you. What would your name be if it had to be some sort of play on words like Max Payne?
1: Oh, man. Read a book. I don't know.
0: Read a book. There you go.
1: Uh, read or die. There you go. Read or die. So I'm like a librarian. I'm, I'm Conan the Librarian from UHF. Don't you know I the Dewey know. Decimal so System? Jeremy f- so... Oh, well, we got we to gotta bleep that out for the kids. Um, you sure do. Anyway, uh, let's move on to Max Payne. Max
0: Payne 2. Maximum Payne. Alright, so Max Payne 2 takes place two years after Max Payne 1. Max is working as an NYPD detective while investigating a series of murders by a group of contract killers called The Cleaners. Max encounters Mona again, who was assumed dead at the end of the previous game. Mona has been accused for assassinating a senator and is being held at the station that Max works at. The station is subsequently attacked by the cleaners who are looking for Mona. Mona is able to escape her cell before they are able to get her. Max reunites with Mona and the pair begin to hunt down the cleaners. Their search leads them to a construction site where Max and Mona are forced to defend themselves against the cleaners. When their foes flee, max's partner valerie winterson uh, arrives and attempts to arrest mona mona thinks winterson has been hired to kill her and max shoots her before she can arrest mona as winterson dies she shoots max leading to him being hospitalized when max recovers he begins to search for answers max learns that the cleaners work for vlad lem the head of the russian mob who uses them to eliminate competition, and that Vlad is also a part of the Inner Circle. Vlad plans to kill the leaders of the Inner Circle and gain power for himself. Max also discovers Woden has hired Mona to kill Vlad and Max. Vlad also reveals that Winter Sun was his mistress before shooting Max and leaving him for dead in a burning building. Mona rescues Max and they go to Woden's mansion to save him from Vlad. At the mansion, Mona is shot after refusing to kill Max because she has developed feelings for him. Woden appears in a wheelchair and attempts to fight off Vlad before being killed. A fight breaks out between Max and Vlad, and a bomb is triggered where the two fall through a floor, before Max finally finishes off Vlad. As the police arrive, Max holds Mona in his arms as she dies. In the last lines of the game, it is revealed that Max has finally come to terms with the death of his wife. Should also be noted that if the game is completed on the hardest difficulty, Mona will actually survive the encounter. And that is the story of Max Payne Two.
1: Very cool. So it's
0: a lot. It's a lot simpler. I, obviously, I, I shortened it out again. Um, but this is more of a sort of love story and a little bit of just coming to terms with loss at the end.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely has that like love element between Max and Mona, even though it's kind of a love-hate thing, like left-you-for-dead sort of love. But, you know, still, it's an interesting game. And if we didn't mention it before, it came out October of 2003. So the fact that it takes place two years after the first game makes sense because it was, um, you know, two years after... to, to you released two years after the fact. But this time around... It did it on purpose. did it on purpose. So released on PC, PlayStation 2, Xbox 360, and PS3. Um... What's interesting that I was talking to Jeremy before we recorded is that the major developers of the first two games were Remedy Entertainment based in Finland. And the first one was published by what was it called Gathering of Developers, which I've never heard of. But then Max Payne 2 was um, published by Rockstar. And then what happened was after the release of the first game, Remedy sold the rights to Max Payne to Rockstar, which is kind of an interesting choice because your first game is pretty popular and you have plans to make a second one, but you sell the IP to a different developer. I think that's just an interesting choice. Um, Originally, they wanted these game series to be transmedia in the sense of, we want this to be a comic book. We want this to be a video game. We want this to be a movie we're not going to talk about. Um,
0: Oh, we're going to talk about that movie.
1: Oh, God. We'll talk about it at the end of... uh, after three. But uh, I just think it's interesting that the first game is kind of published and uh, developed independently. Um, The second one was developed by Remedy still. The same people that did Alan Wake and uh, Control, if you've played that recently. But then the third one, which I'll get to in just a second, was published and developed by Rockstar. So I've I've always associated the game with Rockstar. I didn't know it was actually made by Remedy initially. So that's something I actually learned while doing this. All right, with all that stuff aside too, I think it's about high time that we kind of just kind of cut through the third game. And like I mentioned a little bit earlier, the first two games kind of follow in that same uh, New York City style noir detective but the third one does have quite a bit of a departure in terms of its like setting and its, I don't know, atmosphere in, in general. Yeah, it's still pretty dark and gritty but it's dark and gritty in like Brazilian favela style. Um, Looking at some of the inspiration for the third game, the movies Elite Squad and City of God, which are movies that take place in South America, particularly Brazil. Um, So that's where the majority of this game takes place. Um, The game kind of jumps between some flashbacks in New Jersey um, and, of course, the major plot of the game takes place in Sao Paulo, uh, Brazil. So here we go. Max Payne 3, developed by Rockstar, published by Rockstar, released in May of 2012, so the most recent one, Um, originally came out on PS3, Xbox 360, I think I played it on Xbox 360, and of course PC and Mac. So here are the plot points for Max Payne 3. So nine years after the events of the second game, Max Payne has retired from the NYPD and spends his days nursing his alcoholism and addiction to painkillers. After an incident in a barn hoboken, New Jersey, forces him to leave New York Mac accepts an offer from Raul Passos, whom he met during the incident to become a private security contractor in South America. So essentially he's becoming a mercenary in South America to kind of, um, you know, outrun some of the wrongdoings he did up in New Jersey. Max finds himself working for the Bronco family, consisting of Rodrigo Bronco, a wealthy real estate mogul, Fabiana Bronco, uh, his trophy wife, Giovanna, Fabiana's sister, uh, Fabiana's sister, his so the, the, the trophy wife's sister, Victor Branco, a local politician, and Marcelo Bronco, a hard-partying socialite. Operating in Sao Paulo a few months later, Max thwarts a kidnapping attempt on the Broncos by the Com- Commando Sombra, a local street gang during a private party. A week later, the gang managed to kidnap Fabiana at a nightclub while Max is overseeing her protection alongside Marcelo and Giovanna. I remember that scene particularly when I was playing the game. You're like in a helicopter or something and you're hanging out with like the the uh, the family and like you go into the club and it's blasting music. I remember that's a really cool scene. Uh, the, the, that's the whole like song right at
0: the beginning of the game, right?
1: Yeah, the whole soundtrack for this game is is legit. The song "Tears" by Health, the, the the band Health, is like one of the major themes of this game, and I still have that like on my playlist. Nice. Yeah, it's a cool song. Anyway, so um, Fabiana is kidnapped by this street gang, and they are uh, the family is instructed to pay three million dollars for her release. So, it's basically the movie Man on Fire. Uh, Rodrigo allows Max and Pasos to handle the exchange at a local soccer football stadium. However, the meeting between them and the Commando Sombra is ambushed by the Craca Preto, an outlaw paramilitary unit, who steal the money. Although the pair learn where the Commando Sombra took Fabiana, their attempt to rescue her is thwarted by the gang's leader, Serrano. Isn't that a type of pepper? Anyway, uh, meeting with the Bronco brothers at Rodrigo... Is is that a pepper, Serrano?
0: Yes, it's a pepper. (laughs)
1: This is my gang leader, Dr.
0: Pepper. <laughs> Dr. Peppa, It's the sweet one.
1: All right. Uh, meeting Does with he the... have
0: 23 unique and identical flavors?
1: Well, he has a bunch of like uh, a knotted dreadlock. So maybe there's 23 of them. I don't know.
0: They all have a different flavor.
1: <sighs> yeah. <laughs> this one's a Why dirt. don't you
0: suck on him and find out?
1: Anyway, <laughs> uh, meeting with the Bronco brothers at Rodrigo's office, Victor recommends the police handle Fabiana's recovery. Shortly after Victor, Marcelo, and the Pasos leave, the Preto attack the office to kill Max. While he survives, Rodrigo is assassinated during the chaos. Blaming himself for this situation, Max swears off alcohol and shaves his head and proceeds Coward. to seek and proceeds to seek out Serrano and Fabiana within the Nova Esperanza Favela, based on information from a dying Cracha Preto operative. So he's trying to kind of track down um, where the kidnapped Fabiana is in this favela, which, if you don't know what a favela is, just Google pictures of it. It's essentially a slum uh, that's pretty common in in parts of South America, particularly Brazil. Uh, all right. So deter- uh, during his search of the favela, Max runs into Detective Wilson da Silva, who offers assistance in exchange for help in investigating the Cracha Preto, who he suspects have ties to Victor and the Unadis de Forças Especiales, UFE, U- Sao Paulo's Special Police Force Unit. So essentially like Sao Paulo SWAT. Uh, Max eventually reaches Serrano's hideout only to witness the command, uh, Commando Sombra murder Fabiana. As the UFE raid the favela, Max finds himself forced to rescue Marcelo and Giovanna, who were captured by the Commando Sombra, while attempting to save Fabiana. During his search for the pair, he finds the UFE to be corrupt upon witnessing them selling prisoners to the Cracha Preto. While Max eventually finds and rescues Giovanna, Marcelo is executed by mercenaries. After a shootout at a bus station while trying to hide from the Preto, Passos arrives to help, but flees with Giovanna, who is pregnant with his child. Angered at being abandoned, Max is picked up by Da Silva and learns that Passos was on Victor's payroll. So the plot thickens. A question about an attack on Marcelo's private yacht in the Panama Canal a few weeks earlier, Max recalls that Marcelo and Passos tried to drive away with cargo that the attackers sought to steal. Da Silva reveals that the cargo was money that Victor needed to launder in Panama and that Max was recruited to be the fall guy for his illegal activities. At De Silva's request, Max investigates a rundown hotel used by the Crachapreto. His investigation reveals that the building is the base for a black market organ theft ring, which the UFE supplies with their prisoners. After releasing a number of detainees, including Serrano, Max plants explosives around the hotel to destroy it. The Crachapreto's leader, Alvano Neves, tries to stop him, but Passos kills him and escapes with Max moments before the hotel is demolished. Although angered at Paso's involvement in Victor's affairs, Max forgives him for coming back to him and allows him to leave the city with Giovanna. To expose the involvement of Victor and the UFE with the organ thefts, De Silva persuades Max to get arrested at the UFE's headquarters in order to search it for incriminating evidence. His search culminates in the discovery that Victor arranged for Rodrigo's murder to acquire his wealth, and that the sales of the stolen organs were to fund his campaign in the upcoming mayoral elections. After a confrontation with Victor and the UFE's leader, Armando Becker, Leads them, uh, leads to them escaping. Max pursues them to the airport, leading to an intense fight with the UFE. I remember that too. It's crazy. You kind of like swing in, and like all the plate glass and the airport's getting shot out. It's really cr- pretty wild. This is kind of towards the end of the game. Um, Max pursues them to the airport, leading to an event- intense fight. Uh, Max eventually catches up to them both, mortally maiming Becker in a shootout before destroying Victor's private jet with De Silva's help. Although Max opts to spare Victor's life and leaves him to be arrested by De Silva. He breaks his leg to make him suffer. A week later in Bahia, Max overhears news in a bar that the UFE is disbanded and Victor was found dead in prison. Choosing to move on with his life, Max takes a walk along the beach as the sun sets. So that is the plot of Max Payne 3. So, as you can see, it deters a lot from the dark, noir, and horrors of New York City and kind of brings in some of the horrors of like cartels and stuff like that in south america which in my opinion are a hell of a lot scarier than anything new york can ever do to any person ever
0: oh yeah i have nothing bad to say about any cartel
1: yeah that's right we don't like cartels
0: no i said i have nothing bad to say about them
1: oh because i like no. being alive. oh yes 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 my I favorite
0: like... thing is being alive so i have nothing bad to say
1: yeah i like i like my head where it is thank you um yeah so that's that's max Payne 3 um Really fun game. Um, There's a lot of stuff, too, where there's like flashback sequences where you find out that you, in that bar scene earlier on, you did end up killing the son, I believe, of a mob boss, and he's mad at you, so that's one of the reasons why you fled. So there are some scenes where you do kind of flash back and forth between um, the stuff that's going on in Sao Paulo and the stuff that's going back in the day uh, in New York, or New Jersey. joy So it's an interesting game. I really liked it, but again, it's like we've talked about before. it's nothing where it's a game that I'm dying to go back to. I really wish that they would maybe remaster these games or kind of like touch them up a little bit because I think they're all worth playing for sure. I mean, I think there's a lot of good stuff with all of these games. you know the I think the, the, the action's really good. Uh, I think the the story of three despite the fact that it is a a detour from the other two games, no pun intended is um, a a lot more enjoyable and a a lot more quality of life. I remembered it this time. A lot more quality of life improvements, like a cover system and stuff like that. Um, And just the fact that you actually play like a 47-year-old, you know, because Max is pretty old um, by the third game, and he kind of acts like it. So I think that's really cool. And it's, it's just a really... I don't know, it's a really dirty game. It's dirty in a good way. It's just like a it's really fun to play like you said, something like Narcos and stuff like that. There's not a lot of games that really let you explore the sort of South American, Central American uh crime stuff. Maybe maybe there is, maybe I just haven't heard of it, but this was like one of my first forays into that whole underground world. So yeah, that is my coverage of Max Payne 3. Jeremy, what else do you got here? Do you have any other reflections on Max Payne 3?
0: I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, it's definitely a big break from the original game stylistically. I think there's still a lot of good in the game. Um, It's still clearly a sort of a crime story, and there's some stuff going on in the background that is kind of fun to go through and reveal. But overall, I wouldn't say it's completely forgettable, but it just doesn't capture that same sort of look and feel that the, the first two did. It doesn't take you back to those old black and white movies that I get the feel of with the first two. I, they, they feel like a more modernized version of kind of some of those classic, just noir detective, uh, films.
1: Okay. But which one would you say out of the three is the best
0: game? Uh, storytelling wise or overall game? I, I mean, I would have to give it to three from as far as a game goes. I think it, it's hard to compete against modern graphics, modern and mechanics, the better improvements that they've been able to build up off of, but I think as a story goes, I think the, the story I like the, the, the most is probably the first one.
1: Okay. Yeah, I think the second one gets kind of lost on a lot of people, but it's a pretty good game in itself, too
0: yeah i think it's just like they told a really good interesting story with some conspiracy elements and just kind of going down the rabbit hole in the first one the the second one just i think it's just a love it's just a love story you know with some extra noir cheese on top of it Yep. um but obviously they, they slowly improve the mechanics as the game goes on so i would say as far as like gameplay goes obviously the most recent one is going to play the best. But I think if we're talking purely story, I, I really like that sort of conspiracy theory angle. There's the inner circle. So there's some sort of like Illuminati masons going on in the background, kind of puppet master pulling the strings. I think that's a little bit more intriguing than just
1: kidnapping in favelas.
0: Yeah, I, that's what I would think. I mean, unrealistic, but more intriguing for sure.
1: Yeah, it's a good story for sure. Um, looking at the games as a whole, what would you say some of, like the larger themes are? Because the, the first thing that came to my mind is like loss, just the idea of like losing people and just like downward spire. It's a very depressing series. The more you yeah. kind of sit sit and think about it, it's a very depressing game series. Like I was gonna say loss and redemption, but like, is there really any redemption in these games? Because you kind of overcome smaller obstacles, but like the pain's still there.
0: It is definitely, I would say this is definitely a fall from Gray story in general. Uh, I mean, even alluding to the second game's title is literally the fall of Max Payne.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he,
0: he never fully recovers. It's alluded to that he, he comes to term with the loss of his loved one, but he never fully rebuilds his life. So in a way, he really didn't come to terms with it, I guess, if you ask me.
1: Okay, so you said his loved one. Are you saying that uh, he didn't love his baby?
0: Well, it says that he comes to terms with the loss of his wife. And how much can you love something you haven't known for less than a year, or for more than a year?
1: I mean, he couldn't even talk yet. So what's yeah, the why are you getting I mean, so it's upset? Just a
0: baby. He can get a new one.
1: He can get a new one. I <laughs> He's mean, got he,
0: eyes to the black market. He can easily get a new baby.
1: I mean, he could Frankenstein a baby with all the organ parts in the third third game.
0: There you go. Maybe that's his redemption story.
1: It's like, you know, you, you got that good good South American cooking. You just take an empanada and put some human organs in it and put it in the oven.
0: Make mm. a little umganga.
1: <laughs> Mucho gusto.
0: See. <laughs>
1: uh. si. All right, so but, but, before we conclude tonight, ladies and gentlemen, um, I think Jeremy is just... Dying to talk about the movie that I've never seen which had
0: wait. You've never seen the movie.
1: I've never seen Max Payne the movie I know I'm a fan of the I have
0: uh, I have seen this movie three-quarters of a time
1: (laughs) Three-quarters of a time. Uh, I'm just looking up some facts here. I remember the movie poster looked cool Oh, it has ludicrous in it. Never mind (laughs) All right, so let's look at let's look at this movie
0: was ludicrous.
1: Let's look at the cast here. Okay, so. You know,
0: you know we're watching this when you come up.
1: I know, I know. All right, so we got Mark Wahlberg. We got Mila Kunis as Mona Sachs. We'll uh, Curly who's one of my celebrity crushes, uh, playing Natasha. Beau Bridges, <laughs> playing B.B. Hensley. Chris O'Donnell. Hang on, hang
0: on, Mila Kunis isn't a celebrity crush?
1: Uh, I never got it. I never understood no, Mila I mean, Kunis. I think she kind of no, looks like a possum, awesome, awesome, but that's just me. A possum? Um, I, she, I don't know. I mean,
0: she's not like my. Top tier celebrity crush, but I think she's she should be at least somewhere on the list.
1: Yeah, I was that's
0: awesome. Level
1: I was pretty uh, gushy, no pun intended, about Ola Kurlyenko for a long time because she was one of the Bond girls. Um, and then have Ludic- to
0: look her up real quick.
1: Uh, Ludacris, yes, and Donald Luge. Ooh, I love Donald Luge. Uh, so let's look at I'm just gonna look at Max Payne a little bit here. Came out October uh, 17th, 2008. Uh, with a budget of thirty five million only made eighty five. So that is what we call a general flop. Um yeah, I've I, I've never seen it and it looks like it didn't get super super highly super high reviews. No, there, I would
0: rather watch the Hitman movies.
1: There are no I didn't mind the first Hitman though, which Olga yeah. Koryin goes also in. Um it is based Loosely on the video game, um, but it's it's very much kind of its own thing. It doesn't have any continuity um with the rest well, of the game. I would say
0: the biggest the biggest condemnation of it is it's not it's it's an action movie more so than a crime noir movie.
1: So can I read the can I read the plot really quick?
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, actually we're gonna talk about this movie for the next three hours.
1: Yes. Okay, so Max Payne, aka Marky Mark. Is a detective assigned to the NYPD cold case unit who lost his wife, Michelle, and infant daughter Rose in a horrific murder. Okay, so that's accurate so far. That tracks. That tracks. Uh, since that day, Max has been consumed by the desire to find his family's killer. He comes under suspicion from the NYPD when Natasha, an acquaintance of one of Max's informants, is brutally murdered. And Max's wallet, which she had stolen, is found at the crime scene. So it looks like she's get, he's getting framed again. Uh, Max's former partner, Alex Barder, uh, Balder is slain in his home after informing Max of a possible connection between Natasha's death and his family's murder. Max is framed as a murderer and Lieutenant Bavura of Internal Affairs is asked with bringing him in. So it actually kind of sounds like the first game so far. Uh, Max and Mona Sax, a freelance assassin and Natasha's sister, visit Natasha's Tattoo Parlor, where a tattoo artist reveals the meaning behind Natasha's tattoo. It represents the wings of a Valkyrie, which in Norse mythology are creatures it that says dis-
0: hope in Chinese.
1: Yes, it says uh, shrimp fried rice in Chinese. Um, In Norse mythology are creatures that decide the fate of warriors in battle. Max goes to secretly take some of Michelle's belongings out of storage and finds that documents from when she worked at the Asir Corporation, a major pharmaceutical manufacturer, have gone missing. Max interrogates Michelle's former supervisor, Jason Colvin, in his office at Asir and learns that Michelle was involved with the development of the drug Valkyr, um, a drug that the company produced under military contract in an attempt to create super soldiers. Unfortunately, only a few subjects showed positive results. The rest saw hallucinations and eventually went insane, forcing Asir to terminate the project and cover up their involvement. Jason agrees to testify against his employers as long as Max can protect him. Max agrees, but then SWAT officers, Asir contractors in disguise, raid the office, killing Jason and attracting Bavura's attention. After an intense gunfight, Max escapes with the evidence and shows Mona a video explaining the Valkyrie project Featuring Jack Lupino, a former Marine who was one of the Asir's successful test subjects. Lupino explains in the video that while taking the drug, he feels invincible and suffers none of the side effects. Max confronts Lupino, now a powerful gangster involved with the trafficking of Valkyr as a designer drug, at his warehouse hideout, and the two men fight until Lupino gains the upper hand. Max's defeat appears until BB, Asir's head of security and father figure to Max, arrives and shoots Lupino dead. Dang, I spoiled it. He then has Max knocked out and brought to the city docks. BB explains that he has been secretly selling Valkyrie for personal profit and admits to killing Michelle after she found incriminating evidence that could have exposed him. He tries to drown Max in a fake suicide, but Max breaks freeze and dives into the icy river. He almost drowns, but hears the voice of his wife telling him it's not time to die yet. He swims to shore to prevent hypothermia, consumes vials of Valkyrie stuffed in his pockets by BB, which causes him to see intense hallucinations, but also makes him nigh-invincible. Max follows B.B. back to a Sears headquarters, assisted by Mona, he shoots his way through the building's security, eventually confronting and killing B.B. on the building's helipad. His vengeance complete, he falls to his knees, ready to die. He sees a vision of his wife and child smiling at him, and suddenly comes to as the sun cuts through the clouds and the SWAT team surrounds him. A post credit scene shows Max and Mona in a bar. Mona shows Max a newspaper with a uh, Asir's CEO Nicole Horn's picture on the front. Max and Mona then look at one another with an understanding and renewed purpose. So it sounds like they're setting up for a sequel that thankfully never that happened. That we
0: never got. Now, mm-hmm. I know you're pretty disappointed that we never got that sequel. Uh-huh. I have three pieces of good news for you. There are three fan films. Two of them are under 20 minutes, but there is one that's 43 minutes. Oh, no. And the highest IMDb rating looks like 7.4. That's
1: not bad for IMDb. Maybe it's worth a no. shot.
0: Uh, we should probably watch all four of those movies oh, next God. time around.
1: Can I jump into a river afterwards?
0: Y- yes, that but, is. Uh, so,
1: so tell me. So, okay. So, like, honestly, like the first half of that plot I just went through, it doesn't seem too terribly different from a lot of the early stuff in the first game. But, like, what can you tell me of watching this three quarters of the way through?
0: Um. So, like I said, it definitely. And I guess most of the parts you play in Max Payne are definitely actiony but as far as story goes it's it, it, it is a crime noir and i just didn't get those vibes from what i remember maybe i'm maybe i'm speaking a disservice to this and i need to go back and rewatch this movie but i just felt like it was just kind of a dumb action movie yeah um and i can remember there's one scene i remember where when marky mark is on Valkyr and he's in, like, a warehouse. I'm literally closing my eyes to try to remember this scene for scene. So he's on the Valkyrie, And he sees, like, the silhouette of a Valkyrie, like, ascending from above through these wireframe glass panes. And it, like, breaks through the window. And he just, like, wrenches back and just, like, shoots something with a shotgun. Wow. So, I I... I I kind of remember that, and I and that, like thinking back on it. I guess I've always thought there was like some supernatural element going on, and maybe I'm just making that up in my decaying brain. But I don't know. I'm willing to give it another shot just because self loathing is a thing.
1: Uh, okay, I just want to read a quote from the director, John Moore <laughs> The minute I played the game, I saw Mark. <laughs> so. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, I get it. I mean, he's, he actually does kind of, you know, it's not a decent, it's not a bad choice, I guess. I mean, I know people don't like Marky Mark. Some people love him. Some people think he's the best person on earth, even though he, like, beat up a Vietnamese guy that blinded him. I don't know. Not good stuff.
0: Wait, did, wait, the Vietnamese guy blinded Marky Mark?
1: No, like, back in his, like, gangster days, Marky Mark, like, beat up, like, a Vietnamese guy or Asian guy, and like, blinded him.
0: Are, are we all? Are any of us held accountable for what we do back in our gangster days? Uh,
1: apparently not. Not if you're Marky, Mar- Marky Mark Wahlberg and the Funky Bunch. Anyway. I'm aware of that. I mean, so I'm that,
0: pretty neutral to Marky Mark, so it doesn't hurt me.
1: And ladies and gentlemen, that is the first time we've talked about a movie time in this podcast. Um, there will be more. Oh, I'm absolutely certain of that. Um, speaking of more episodes, um, we will be recording, uh, hopefully in person next week, um our 10th episode our our, our one wonderful 10th birthday not really our 10th episode uh and we're hoping to do some sort of top 10 countdown i think our plan moving forward is to have you know nine episodes where we kind of dig into gaming narratives like we always do and then maybe at the 10 mark we kind of do something fun mix it up a little bit do maybe like a top 10 or something else related to this this sort of thing because you know we it's fun for us to, to to do the research and everything else like that but it's also fun for us to kind of uh cut loose and just kind of do our own thing too. So um, unless there's anything else, Jeremy, that you have to say, I think we can ma- uh, wrap up Max Payne here.
0: You don't call me Jeremy; You call me Ricky two knives. Cause I got right. two knives.
1: All right. Ricky tuna knives. Um, so that being said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, looking forward to recording that 10th episode pretty soon. Uh, I hope you guys check out the rest of our stuff and make sure if you have any friends that are interested in video games, uh, video game stories, by all means, kind of send them uh, our way. And we'll, you know, we're always happy to kind of take on questions and comments, uh, requests, of course, too. We're on um, all of the different social medias, primarily on Facebook, uh, Page to Pixel uh, podcast, uh, always on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you guys coming along with us for this wonderful deep dive into uh, Max Payne. Uh, hope to see you guys next time. So uh, Ricky Two Nines, why don't you uh, send us off with something?
0: I got two knives for your two holes. Uh,
1: Yes. All right. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to have nightmares now.
0: Bye.